Sunday in August. I know some of you are happy about that. Some of you are sad about that. Regardless of how you feel about it, it is what it is. That's what my mom always told me. No, that's what I told. Oh, is that? Yeah, you'd say. I would say it too. We all say it. It is what it is. Suck it up, Bursch. That's what my mom said. Mom, I'm going to tell this story just because she's here. It's so cool to have you here. One time I was sharing with you guys just how hard my life was and just was really, you know, you know, just the violins were playing. Let's just say it that way. And my mom comes up to preach. You probably don't even remember this. And you just said, suck it up, Danny boy. <laughs> but um, that's one of our favorite sayings, isn't it? Life is hard. Suck it up. <laughs> But uh, here we are. If you have your Bibles, open them up to 1 Corinthians 15. 1 Corinthians 15. I think it's a simple word today. I, I hope it's a word, though, that encourages you. I'm realizing we're all at different stages on this journey of life, which is great, right? There's room for the different uh, places we're at, the different places even on the journey that we're at. Um, but also, hopefully, this word gets us, hopefully, just going in the same direction. So, same direction. First Corinthians 15, verse 1. Who, who's right, writing this one? Do you guys know? Was it Paul? Yeah. We're going to talk a lot about Paul today. This is what he says. He says, I want to remind you, brothers, of the gospel I preached to you, which you received, in which you stand, and by which you are being saved, if you hold fast to the word I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. And now he's going to share this gospel. For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures, that Christ was buried, and that Christ was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures, that he appeared to Cephas. Who's Cephas? Anyone know? Peter? That's right, Peter. Then to the twelve. Then he appeared to more than 500 brothers at one time more, most of whom they're still alive, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James then to all the apostles. Verse 8, last of all, as to one untimely born, he appeared also to me. For I am the least of the apostles, unworthy to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, say this with me, church, I am what I am. His grace toward me was not in vain. On the contrary, I worked harder than any of them, any of the apostles, though it was not I, but the grace of God that is with me. Whether then it was I or they, so we preach, and so you believe. So he starts with that gospel message. Christ died for our sins. He was buried. He rose again on the third day. He appeared to a bunch of people. And then Paul says, lastly, he appeared to me. And he says, for I am the least of the apostles. He says, I am unworthy even to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church. This way of talking, this humility of Paul, it's very similar to some of the other uh, letters that he writes. You see this in Ephesians where he talks about being the very least of all the saints. In First Timothy, he says that God came and Jesus came into the world to save sinners. And if you remember, he says, of whom I am the worst. And why is he saying that? Why, why is he saying I'm the least of the apostles, unworthy to be called an apostle? He actually says it right there. He says, because I persecuted, I persecuted the church of God. I persecuted the church of God. But, but I love Paul. He doesn't stop there. He keeps on writing. He says, yeah, I, I, I'm the least of the apostles. I'm worthy to be called an apostle. I persecuted the church of God, but by the grace of God, I am what I am. Kind of saying, you know, on my own outside of the grace of God, I'm in a world of hurt. I, I don't actually have a lot to stand on. Spent my life opposing the things of God, persecuting the church of God. 
And here's the powerful statement. I hope you guys can receive this today. But I, Paul would say, I am not defined by my past. Instead, I'm defined right now by the grace of God in my life. By His grace, I am what I am. Write that down if you're taking notes. By God's grace, I am what I am. I think there's probably a few of us, I thank you, Wayne, by the way, for the word that you shared. I, I think there's a few of us that probably just need to be reminded of, of that in our own lives, how quickly we allow our past to define us. Anyone else go, th- go down that road? Or am I the only one? How quickly we allow our past to define us instead of the grace of God. Defined by who we once were instead of who we now are in Christ. I find myself as a pastor talking to people about the grace of God. It's a great topic. I love talking about it. But this also means, you know, I'll be, I'll be just saying, you know, as a Christian, like we're forgiven of our sins. We've been set free. We have this new life in Christ. And, and if you've ever talked with me, I kind of get fired up. I'm excited. And, and then the response kind of goes like this. Like, yeah, you know, Pastor Dan, I get it. I, I get that he's forgiving. I get that he's gracious. But here's the line that I get. But you don't know what I've done. But you don't know what I've done. I remember I was at this football game with this guy, and he's, he's just adamant God could never forgive him. He's telling me about this uh, sexual immorality that he and his wife were involved in with, with some other people. And he just kept on you know, going at it with me, and I kept on going at him with like, you know, the Lord forgives you, and the Lord has grace for you. And he's like, no, you don't know what I've done. You don't know what I've done. If you know my personality, I started getting ticked. You ever, like just... Come on, like, can we just please, I mean, just, just the frustration rise up within me. And, and this is what it was. You think you're so special, <laughs> and that's my personality. You think you're so special that God's grace isn't big enough or powerful enough to forgive you. And I run across that attitude so much, church. And if I ask the person, like, do you believe that God forgives sin? They're like, yeah, of course I do. Just not that sin. Like there's this cosmic asterisk. Jesus is the forgiver of sins. Mm. Except this one. And when you start believing that lie that God could never forgive you of that sin, this is also what I've witnessed again and again. You, you just start trying really, really hard to pay it off. You notice that? Guilt can be a great motivator. Just you feel so bad for what you've done in your past. So you, so you try really hard to be a good person. You try really hard. You just do a bunch of good things on this attempt to make up for the bad things you've done in your past. And yet, church, I mean, we've got to hear this today. That is so far removed from what it means to be a Christian. That is not Christianity. Christianity says, for it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is what? It is a gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. Saved by grace, through faith, not by works. God, He saved us. His grace has saved us. What did He save us from? He saved us from ourselves, right? He saved us from our sins. The Bible says that all have sinned, all have fallen short of the glory of God. But don't you love it that that scripture doesn't stop there? There's not a period. It keeps on going. It says, yeah, all have sinned. All have fallen short of the glory of God. And all are justified freely by His grace. Through what? Through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. 
We could never remove that stain of sin on our own. No good work, no personal effort, no amount of volunteering at the food bank, no amount of serving at church, giving to charities. None of it could take away your sins. The prophet Isaiah, he says, your best attempts at righteousness, that right living, your best attempts, all of those righteous acts are like filthy rags in the presence of God. You needed a savior. I needed a Savior and praise the Lord by His grace and His mercy and His love. He sends His Son, Jesus Christ, to pay the price for our sin, to rescue us, to save us from our sin. But here we go. Here's a thought exercise. I want you to think about that sin. Right? That thing that you did with the asterisk. The thing where you go to your pastor and you're like, he's telling you about grace and forgiveness. Literally, I'm giving you the best stuff I've got. And you go, yeah, that's great, Pastor Dan. I'm really proud of you for talking well. But you don't know what I've done. You don't know what I've done. That area, that offense, that wickedness, that brokenness, that is right where God's grace and the payment of sin, right there. The blood of Jesus comes right there. And he pays For that sin. A price has been paid for that. You've been set free. For that. There's just a a condemnation that we walk with. Where Jesus says, no. This. I paid for it. You're forgiven. You're free. You can breathe. You're whole. You're perfect. Now, if you broke a law that is on the books in Fife, Milton, or Edgewood, or in the state of Washington, or the United States, there's punishment for the crime in, in, in our state, in our country. Assault, robbery, tax evasion, theft, whatever you're good at doing. (laughs) There's there's consequences for actions. And and in this room, we don't have to have, you know, testimony time, but some of us have paid some of those prices, haven't we? But let's not confuse that with the fact that if you're a Christian, regardless of what you've done in Christ, you're forgiven. I want you to think about it this way. There are plenty of people who are going to spend the rest of their lives behind bars because of crimes they've committed. But if they've accepted Jesus as their Lord and Savior, right now, they are forgiven. Right now, they are in perfect standing with their Father God because of Jesus and what Jesus did for them on the cross. It's true for them And it's true for you. And by the way, when you tell me, Pastor Dan, but you don't know what I've done, I can almost guarantee you whatever you did doesn't even come close to stacking up to what Paul did. Paul. You remember Paul when he was Saul? You remember? One of the greatest persecutors of the early church. You remember his passion? His great zeal was to go from city to city to city to arrest us, by the way. You and me, followers of the way, he breathed murderous threats against believers of Jesus. He approved the deaths of so many people who followed Jesus Christ. And yet here he is again, 1 Corinthians chapter 15. And he says, you know what? I have done terrible things. And yet here I am. By the grace of God, I am what I am. I didn't deserve it. I didn't earn it. And yet I am what I am. I think it's important for us to hear what Scripture is saying today. 
Because again, we beat ourselves up. We just do. We beat ourselves up for our past. We just try to drag and carry that luggage, that baggage with us wherever we go. I remember talking to just a sweet, sweet Christian lady. She came up to me once with tears in her eyes and she just said, Pastor Dan, would the Lord ever forgive me for an affair I had 30 years ago? Again, this is a powerful lady in the kingdom of God. Will the Lord ever forgive me for the affair that I had 30 years ago? She had never given herself permission, never allowed herself to believe that she was forgiven by God. And again, let's face it, the reality, there are tremendous consequences on earth for our actions. Even in this world of affairs, if you've been around uh, an affair, when it happens, it is horrific. It devastates so many lives. It usually affects multiple families. Think about the Apostle Paul. Think about the things he had done before his conversion. He ruined lives as he persecuted the church. He tore families apart. He took away fathers and mothers and sons and daughters, I'm sure, because of the Apostle Paul. Can you imagine? Imagine once he was the Apostle Paul, the families that he encountered, the families of loved ones he had put to death. Can you imagine those encounters, the pain of those encounters? Our actions have devastating consequences on this earth. But again, don't confuse that with the grace and the forgiveness of God. I just remember telling this lady, one of my favorite heroes of the faith, is with tears in my eyes, I'm like, Yes, a thousand times you forget. Yeah, like so long ago, you were forgiven. Just remember, you know, like it's not about what you did. It's about what he did. It's about what he did. When you put your faith in Jesus, you are forgiven. Saved by grace through faith, not by works. You might want to just... If you don't take notes, maybe put it on your hand or something. I don't know, but I think this is one we, we just got to make sure we don't forget, especially when you head into Monday morning. By grace, by the grace of God, I am what I am. Not defined by my past, but I am defined by who I am, by the grace of God. So get over yourself. Amen. Right? Sometimes you just got to hear that, don't you? Get over yourself. Humble yourself. Accept the fact you need a rescue. You need someone to save you from your sins. And by the grace of God, that's what happened in Jesus. He became the payment for your sins. Even the ones that you had that little asterisk next to. Each one of them, all of them on the cross. You remember what he said? He said, it is finished. To tell us that it is done. Paid in full. Everyone paid in full. And so today, kind of makes you want to dance. Because now we are standing, living, moving, breathing, not by anything that we have done, but solely by the grace of God. Accept it. Stop beating yourself up for your past. You cannot earn your salvation, but accept who you are in Christ. Anyone think about what we are in Christ? We are free. We are holy. We are justified. We are righteous. We are adopted. We are sons. We are daughters. We are citizens of heaven, even right now, in heavenly places because of Jesus. By the grace of God, I am what I am. Sometimes you just got to remind the things of the air, right? <laughs> Whatever you are and wherever you are, you will no longer define me. Jesus is my identity. Grace is my identity. All right, well, here you go. The first part's really fun. I'm not sure you're going to like the second part of the sermon, but we'll say it anyways. Here he goes. By the grace of God, I am what I am 
And but he says his grace toward me was not in vain. On the contrary, I worked harder than any of them, though it was not I, by the grace of God that is with me. I worked harder than any of them, though it was not I. What was it? It was the grace of God that is with me. Uh, point two. Point one would be by the grace of God I am what I am. But point two would be by the grace of God get to work. Get to work. I love what Kyla said. We, we do this, by the way, everyone should be doing this because it's awesome. Every day we read the Bible on our little smartphones and then we write to each other. And we write uh, kind of what we um, thought about the day's reading. I think we have 26 people currently doing that. If you need to know how to do that, or just let us know. We'll, we'll get you on there. But she said this. She goes, first you've got to learn to accept and bask in the victory that we have in Christ. Nothing can touch us now. Amen. Nothing can touch us now. But then she says, but then give yourself fully to the Lord. Work your, I can't say that word in church, work your bottom off, (laughs) work your bottom off for him (laughs) in confidence, knowing that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. Amen, Kyla. Accept the victory you have in Christ and get to work. That gets me excited. Anyone else get a little excited about that? You know what? I've done my fair share of sinning. I'm not proud of it, church. I wish none of it had ever happened. But by God's grace, he saved me, rescued me from it all. And now I am what I am by God's grace. And by God's grace, I've got work to do. Because of God's grace, I'm on mission. Anyone else just feel that? Like, by God's grace, I'm on mission. My life is focused. Did you know I'm a man of destiny? I'm a man of calling. Watch out, world. You ever feel that? I just stand like, watch out, world. Because of God's powerful, radical, scandalous grace in my life, I'm filled with the fire of the Holy Spirit. I'm ready to be poured out for the glory of God. I think some of you know exactly what I'm talking about. Even as I'm sharing, you're just like, I'm right there with you, Dan. I'm right there with you, Dan. It's not about me. It's about God. And by God's grace and by God's power of His Holy Spirit, we got things to do. I'm not going to waste my life on the sidelines. By the way, I just love going to Starbucks with you because then we're at Starbucks and we're just like revival come and we're just like freaking out. People are looking at us like, what is going on in the corner? <laughs> but that's where the Christian life is so much fun, isn't it? The devil, right? He, he thought he had defeated us. The devil, he thought he had taken us down, thought he discouraged us and depressed us so much that we were out of the game, and yet by God's grace, we're walked in victory. By God's grace, we're singing songs like, no, I was dead in my sins, but I'm alive in Christ, and now I am actually walking forward and doing the things that God prepared in advance for me to do. And listen up, for those of you that feel like the least of the apostles, and I'm not going to call you out by name, I don't even know who that is in this room, but I can guarantee you in a room of this size, there's at least a few of us that feel like we are the least of the apostles. Right? Let's be honest. You have compared yourself to those around you and you feel like the least of the apostles. Is that you? Or let's say maybe you're just sitting here today and again you're just saying, I have done the worst of offenses against the kingdom of God. That God would never, ever, ever, ever use me for His plans and His purposes. If that's you, if either one of those things describes you here this morning, buckle up and get ready. Because if God can use Apostle Paul, who was uh, the great persecutor of the church, to become the great evangelist of the church, I think if He could use him, He might be able to use you. 
If you ever feel like you've done too much against the kingdom of God, you know what I'm talking about. Too much harm, too much offense, too much hurt, too much damage. Don't you know it's in your too much where God's grace is going to shine? Don't you know that? In the too much, that's where the vibrant vitality of God's spirit is going to come in and he's going to shine. Just like Paul, it's going to be a blazing testimony of the grace of God. So be bold. Be bold, be unafraid, and get to work. Get to work. He says, I worked harder than any of them. Worked harder than any of the other apostles. When he talks about working harder, this is something we've talked a lot about in this church. It's that that same Greek word that he uses in so many of the letters that we've covered. The, The word he uses for work, it's just this intense, wearisome toil. The the, the Greek word is to a point of exhaustion, even to the point of fainting. And it's crazy because he says that kind of work, that toil, he says it's made possible by the grace of God. There's this strange teaching that has made its way into the American church that almost speaks against doing anything hard for God. That if you're tired or exhausted... It must not be of God. But the Bible is not silent about work. The Bible expects us to work. I don't have time to fully go into it this morning, but have you worked before? You ever worked before? Work is hard. It is. It's hard. But even in America, some of us get it, but a lot of us, including myself, we struggle to understand the work of the kingdom Because the work that Paul talks about, think about it. Many of us, I I work. I could even say I work hard. But what is my work? It's at a desk. It's in an office. It's sitting all day. It's talking. For the majority of human history on this earth, that was not work. (laughs) Let's use a different word. Labor. Labor. It was working with your hands in the fields. It was working with the crops. It was working with the animals. Or even just go back a hundred years to just in industry and production lines and metal workers and electrical workers. It was labor. It takes a toll on your body. It affects your bones. It tires your muscles. Because it's work. Don't be afraid of work. If you're younger here today... I just hope you hear this. Don't be afraid of work. Work is not your enemy. The goal of life is not the absence of work. We were created to work. From the first pages of the Bible, we can see the work that God has for us. Look at this. It says, but be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and subdue it. Have dominion over the fish and the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. Church, there's even a joy in the work that the Lord has for you to do. Work hard. Work hard. Colossians 3, whatever you do, work at it with all of your heart as working for the Lord. Work. Again, I think we just struggle with that because, you know, not that our work isn't stressful or there's anxiety and, you know, those types of things. But when Paul's talking about work, remember, this is a tent maker. Talking about getting exhausted for the kingdom of God. You're not going to hear that very often. It's a terrible way to grow a church. But Paul, 
get get in, just look it up. He says it again and again and again. But then here we go, and we'll close with this. But as you work, when you work, make sure your labor, whatever labor you're doing, make sure it is done by the grace of God. He says, I work harder than any of them, but isn't this great? He says, but even the work that he does, what do you say? He goes, though it was not I, but what? Who was doing the work? It was the grace of God with me. That's so important. Oh, so important. Don't try to work without the grace of God. By your own strength, by your own willpower, you're going to crash and burn, and I have been there too many times. Anybody else know what I'm talking about? Have you met that person working at a church or volunteering at a church? And boy, they are working hard, but you don't want to be anywhere close to them. We're not going to name them, right? It's at a church. Not LifeSpring, of course. LifeSpring is one of them. But you know what I'm talking about. You, they, they're working hard. and They're at the thing, but you wouldn't come even close to them. Why? Because of their negative attitude? Because of their judgmental spirit? If you're not working by the grace of God, it's probably better for you not to be working at all. Because I've seen this played out, again, in my own life and the lives of others. Nobody can cause more damage and destruction than a Christian who is working by their own strength. You just see it rise up. You see a, the self-righteous attitude. You see bitterness, envy, jealousy. It's just this toxic, like everywhere they go, it's just it's spewing toxicity wherever they go. No, whatever we do, do it as unto the Lord. Do it with all of our heart, but also just let that strength, let that energy, the vitality, the work, the labor, let all of it come from the grace of God that's with you, that it's actually the grace of God working through you. So important. And then I want to close with this. The only way that you can truly have the grace of God work through you is if you live by the Spirit of God in you. So important. The the Lord says this. He goes, not by might, not by power, but by my Spirit. By my Spirit. See, we, we can only live by the grace of God if we choose to daily live by the power of God. And God wants this for all of us. All of us. He has work for you to do. And I don't want to sugarcoat it this morning. Some of the work he has called you to do, it's hard. It's really hard, but it's also really good and beautiful. And he's going to give you the power you need to do what he's calling you to do. So I want to pray for you. I I just hate us just going through the religious exercise, checking off the box and not actually encountering what God might want to do in us. So we're going to pray. We're going to just ask Jesus even now by his Holy Spirit to fill us up so we can be sent out. Paul's coming. Whether we like it or not, last Sunday in August, fall's coming. But how powerful it would be if we were full of the power of the Holy Spirit, filled up to be sent out to do the work that God has called us to do. I think for some of us, it's time to accept that grace of God in our lives. Again, I don't know where you're at with this, and and we're all at different places on this journey. But for some of you, maybe have that settled today, that in Christ, you have forgiveness of sins. In Christ, your sins are forgiven, even even that one. Old school term would be that he's the all-sufficient Savior. You heard that one before? All-sufficient. He's big enough for all of your sins. So no more hiding. No more shame. Just receive the forgiveness of sins. If you've never received Jesus into your life, if you've never called him to be your Lord and Savior, I'd invite you right now just to begin to speak to him. Ask Him into your life right now. Receive the forgiveness of sins that's found in the name of Jesus.
It's beautiful. When you believe in your heart, when you confess with your mouth that He is Lord, He actually comes in and, and He forgives you. And He makes you new. If that's you, I would just encourage you to talk with the Lord. Don't leave here. Don't leave here without a relationship, a personal relationship with Jesus. And some of us, we need to receive His grace today. I struggle with grace. Anyone else struggle with grace? I think that's part of our humanity. I don't know about this grace stuff. No, just give me ten rules that I need to follow. Yeah, that, that's what I'll do. And then you screw that up anyways. But some of us, we need to willingly, not the person to our left or to our right, but us, receive His grace today. His grace, unmerited favor. Have you heard that before? His grace being unmerited favor. That's exactly what it is. You don't deserve it. I don't deserve it. And yet God, by His grace, He gives us this gift. It's the gift of life, the gift of love, the gift of freedom. The gift that you can say, I know what I've done. I get it. Not proud of it. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. No longer defined by what I once was. Receive the grace of God, but also I'd say this, I think some of us, we're so afraid of this area, but may we be bold today and actually come in and receive the power of God. I love my wife's journey because she was kind of afraid because she didn't know what the Lord might ask her to do. Anyone ever be there before? You hold back just a little bit because you're not, you're, you know, like God might be asking me to do something. We have a lady in the church right now, uh, here today. I won't name her by name, but it's a great story. She felt like the Lord told her to uh, apply for a master's program. And she applied for it that day. And like two or three days later, she was accepted. Now she's going into the master's program. Come on. Be bold. Be unafraid. Receive the power of God. Receive the power of God in your life. He has things for you to do, but He wants to resource you to do them. He wants to give you what you need to do what He's created you to do, but you've got to surrender to Him. And I get there's so much fear, and that's normal, by the way. Any human being would be fearful when you give up the rights of your life to another being. Your rational mind says, what am I doing? And yet, let your spirit soar in those moments. Say, I'm going to trust, not in my own strength anymore but in the power of God. Power of God. I want to pray that for some of you. I want to pray that for some of you. And here's the deal. When, when you actually jump into that and you, and you go into that challenge and you actually do what God's asking you to do and you actually live by the power of God, the reality is He's going to ask you to do some work. And work, again, it's labor. Sometimes it's hard. Sometimes it's exhausting. But it's beautiful. It's good. And it's holy. And you're not going to be doing it on your own. Never will I leave you, says the Lord. Never will I forsake you. Never will I abandon you. Everything that you do, you're not going to be doing it by your own strength, but by the power of God. So I want to pray right now. Would you just bow your heads? Lord, we pray that this would not just be a churchy prayer, but I pray right now in the name of Jesus that your spirit would blow again in this place. That your spirit would blow again in this place. Blow again in this place. Break forth rushing living waters. Break forth in this place in the mighty name of Jesus.
If there's anyone here today who has never said yes to Jesus as your Lord and Savior, and you are ready for a new life with Him, I want to pray for you. I want to pray with you. I want to celebrate with you. I want to dance with you. Well, we don't have to dance. No dance. But I, I just, I know who I was before Christ and who I am with Christ. There's still challenges. There's still obstacles. But I wouldn't want to go through any of them without Jesus by my side. So if you want this new life in Jesus, if you want forgiveness of sins, if that's you, would you just raise your hand so I know who I'm praying with today. If you're ready to receive him as your Lord and your Savior. Just love giving this opportunity. Nothing like it. All right, no, nobody's raising their hands. It's good, though. Making it available. Now, for the rest of you, whatever that asterisk sin is in your life, whatever it is that you've compartmentalized and just somehow separated, I think it's time that we allow God's grace just to get in there. And the reality is it's already covered. It's already forgiven. We just haven't given ourselves permission to believe it. And whether it's our pride or our shame, we, we just continue to say no. But you don't understand what I've done. You don't understand what I did. And you just got to understand that Jesus, Jesus, He died for his enemies while we were still his enemies Christ died for us there's nothing you could have done that would be greater than the price that he paid on that cross and so if that's you today just just in your heart and maybe just quietly before the Lord you might just need to make that commitment say God I, I receive today your grace in that area that I've been so afraid to bring into the light. I just receive your grace in that area today. And then for the rest of us, you just need to hear this from your Father that I made you and when I stepped back I said it is good. made you when I stepped back I said it is good I don't make junk I make beautiful things and he is calling he is calling his people his creation he's calling us to do the things that he has created us to do not by our own strength not by muscling up some willpower but by the power of God by the very grace of God He wants to give us what we need to do what He's called us to do and Lord I don't know what that means for the people here today but I'm praying right now by Your Spirit You would speak just have some individual conversations with Your people right now that there are dreams and visions that You've given them 
but they don't know how they're going to be accomplished. And yet right now, Jesus, by your spirit, you could come in there and you could give them a boldness to say yes once again to the dreams that you've given them. That they could say yes once again to the, to the ideas and the plans and the purposes that you've been developing within them. That right now, by the power of God, they could rise up and say yes to your plans and purposes. So God, even now, just more, more of your spirit. Just more, Lord. Be heavy upon your people today, Lord. Heavy on your people. Remind them that none of these things we're going to do on our own. None of these things we're going to do on our own resources, our own strength. But everything that we do would be by the power of God that's in us. Lord, would you remind us even now, stir it up within us, God. Break open, Lord. Just break open the dam. Some of us, we just continue to hit wall after wall after wall. And we need your spirit to show yourself in power. To even right now, to break down the dam. To show us that your spirit is ready to flow like never before in our lives. That you have called us to be more than conquerors in you, Christ Jesus. Lord, we are not afraid. Fill us up so we can be sent out for you, Jesus. Fill us up so we can be sent out for you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Amen. 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 Ah, oh, feels good, doesn't it? Feels great. Feels dangerous. Don't you just love it? Don't you just love... No, I won't even go there. You know, like... In my life, I'll have people that love me that just say, well, are you sure you want to go to Edgewood? Are you sure you want to quit your jobs with your pregnant wife <laughs> and live in the loft of your parents' house and work for the U.S. Census and work as a barista? Are you sure you want to do that? No, actually, we're not sure, but we think God is calling us to do it. And if God's calling us to do it, then we're going to do it. Amen. 